when I reflect back on any of that, whether it was Camp America or living in New Zealand or traveling Southeast Asia, my hair loss was not the things that I remember really about those experiences. They're little, like you say, little stories that pop up here and there. They're things that made me stronger, that made me want to carry on. But none of them were things that, that's my blinding experience that I, when I take away from that. The thing that I took away was how much more confident I grew and how much more of the world I got to see and how many friends I made and just all the all the positives are the things that you come away with. So I think that, again, yeah, just reiterating what everyone's saying that just go for it, give it a try and, and hopefully you'll have just as, as amazing experiences as everyone else. Welcome everyone, my name's Naomi. You're listening to Talk Hair Loss with Alopecia UK where we share our conversations around all things hair loss. We'll be talking directly to those in the alopecia community to hear firsthand the ups and downs of living with hair loss. Okay, so hello everyone and thank you for joining me today. Um, This month's discussion is all about travelling and holidays when you have hair loss. So experiencing alopecia when traveling to a different country can bring up certain anxieties around things like passport photos and airport security, wearing wigs in the heat or uh, going without any head coverings and the reactions of different cultures to hair loss, a whole bunch of different things. So there can be a lot to consider. So today, my guests and I are gonna be chatting about our experiences of holidays and traveling with alopecia. So first, I'm just going to do a bit of a brief introduction to everyone. Um, So I'll go first. My name is Naomi. I first developed alopecia areata when I was around 22 years old, back in 2014. It started as one or two patches um, in around the March time. And by the July, my eyebrows and eyelashes went too. I'll actually be coming back to that a bit, little bit later on, because that very much folds into some of my experiences with, with traveling, actually. Um, And so at that point, I had alopecia universalis, and I stayed at the AU stage until around 2015, so around uh, a year and a half, and then I started sprouting some regrowth. And since then, I've gone through stages of lots of patches and choosing to shave my hair off to almost full regrowth and then back again. Um, I'm now currently experiencing almost full regrowth, apart from quite a lot of little patches that seem to be mainly at the back of my hair. Um, so I'm going to hand over to a, another guest now. Karen, are you happy to say a quick hello to everyone, a bit of an introduction? Hello. Um, yep, yeah, I'm Karen. I'm 32 and I think I was about 14 when I first lost um, my hair and I pretty much lost all of it apart from like a tiny bit at the back. And as you can imagine, that's probably if it is a horrific age to lose all of that. Uh, for anyone that's happened to anyone and, and back then there was no community like we have now there was no online community YouTube didn't even exist so I didn't even have that to turn to for advice or anything like that but my hair it pretty quickly grew mostly grew back until um, I was about 26 and it started to happen again and it was around this time I was due to go backpacking um, but I went backpacking anyway and it was actually when I was backpacking, I just took the shave and it's never, it's not growing back since then. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for sharing. 
Um, Lindsay, are you happy to do a bit of a quick introduction as well? Yeah, that's fine. Um, so I was diagnosed with alopecia when I was 15, so sort of a similar age to Karen. Actually, interestingly, I didn't have hair as a baby and a toddler for quite a while, so whether I was also born with it, I don't know. But um, yeah, I was diagnosed since 15. I've never lost all my hair, but I tend to lose like 50%-ish, and it's always at the front or the first time it was on the crown. I've had four, this is my fourth sort of regrowth at the minute. So in 15 years, really. So it very much comes and goes. It's always Ariata, but quite often it's quite an extensive amount of loss. And I've just always found it more comfortable to shave it off rather than try and hide it. I just get so stressed and it always falls out the front or the crown. So it's just not possible. Yeah, that's my alopecia, really. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Lindsay. And um, Amy, what about for you? Um, so I've had alopecia areata. Um, I first had a couple of patches at the age of 24, uh, which I actually spotted when I was on holiday. Um, they filled in and then uh, three years later at the age of 27, I lost everything um, over a period of just a few months. Um, so for the past uh, 11 years, giving away my age now, um, I have had different degrees of patchy regrowth, never had a full head of hair um, and at the moment, I've got quite extensive loss, so quite a lot of patches, probably more patch than hair. Um, so yeah, that's me in a nutshell with my alopecia. feel like I've kind of got to grips for it with it, but it still throws up the occasional surprise. Likes to do that, doesn't it? It does. So yeah, so in, t- in today's episode, we're going to be hearing about a lot of experiences and stories about people's time away traveling in the hope that for those listening, They'll be able to find some comfort and support, especially if traveling with alopecia is one of the personal areas that you that you struggle with. So first, I think I wanted to address some of the more common things that we hear, especially at the charity about um, going abroad. And one of those is about passports. So we often get asked, you know, do I have to change my passport photo? I've my look has changed. I've either lost hair or I've regrown hair. Do I need to change my passport photo every single time? So I'm wondering, does anyone here, does anyone's passport photo look different to perhaps how they present on the day to day? Or does anyone wear a wig in their passport photo or just generally what are your thoughts on that? Um, So currently my passport photo, I should say, sadly, looks like me. That's that's currently it's a true reflection of who I am today. Uh, I think my passport, the current one that I'm on is about three years old, maybe. Um, So in that passport photo, um, I presented myself as I usually do, which for me is typically without head covering. Um, So, yeah, it it looks like me. It's probably I've not got quite the same um, pattern of uh, hair because I don't have that probably from one month to the next. Um, But I have travelled on a passport that had a full head of hair when I didn't have any hair. Um, And, you know, it, it didn't really cause any problems other than um, occasionally if it was um, a you know if, if so it might be like a double glance from somebody at the uh, passport control and I think occasionally I think in America I think I was asked twice I think when traveling on that passport what I think it was something like quite maybe abrupt actually or what, what what's happened here and I've just said I, I have a condition called alopecia I've lost my hair um, but I've never had any problems using a passport that potentially the photo didn't look identical to what I look like now yeah good 
Okay, Lindsay, you, you'd pop your hand up there as well. Did you have? Um, same as Amy, really. So I, when I first lost my hair, I had a passport of me with full hair. And then since then, my passport picture has been me, like we've shaved what I've got as a ball, basically, with, you know, very short shaved what's left. And now that's not quite what I'm like at the minute. Um, but when I had the shaved hair passport, I quite often was going through the airport with a wig on. Never really got asked anything. If anything, the one comment which shows probably he wasn't even looking at my passport photo was the gentleman said, you change your hair a lot. He was looking at the, in, when I was traveling around East Asia, you could see photo, they, they can see photos of you coming into different borders. And he was looking at those and looking at the spots of my wigs. He obviously wasn't looking at my passport photo because that had my alopecia on show. He went, hmm, you change your hair a lot, don't you? And I was like, oh, I'm gonna look at my passport. You'll see that I've got a hair loss condition. So yeah, same really, it's not stopped me from traveling or really raised any issues second look sometimes and I I'm confident enough to say oh I'm wearing a wig I've got hair loss and they just it's quite it's a very discreet conversation they just nod and send you through yeah great thank you and Karen did you have some anything to add to that as well yeah I probably say I had a very similar kind of experiences really is so double glances and I think the only place I really had someone look at me was in, when I tried to get into China. Um, but yeah, it was just double glances. Um, I wouldn't say I looked totally different because I draw my eyebrows the same way I do as I always have done. So they're the same. But in my passport photo, I have like half a head of hair. So I've kind of got it um, sort of covered up into a, like a high ponytail and you remember in the 90s when everyone had like spiky bits coming out of their bobs it doesn't look how I'd look on an everyday basis but you can tell it's me from what I do know the passport scanners if they're if you're going through like a more automated one so you're when you're putting your passport in and it's scanning it it's using biometrics to figure out like your face shape like where your nose is where your eyes are in relation to everything so actually your hair doesn't really come into account tends to be more like you say if it's if it's a person to person border that you're checking through and then usually it's a double glance because like oh that's that person okay they do look a bit different but they they're trained to take that double glance to go oh okay but everything else looks the same so I don't need to know anymore that tends to be the end of it something yeah I was just going to add so kind of similar to what Lindsay said um which was obviously that she's been through with wigs on whilst her passport um, had no hair um, I, I also I remember when I when I first when I got my first what I'd now call my alopecia passport i.e it is a true reflection of me because obviously I work for the charity and because this is something that comes up a lot I wanted to test it out so I did I, I did go through passport control um, with a wig on to see if it had any impact or did anything different and again it didn't nothing changed it was it was just a case of obviously I can still travel through on that passport like we're saying when it's the when it's the the biometric stuff and it's those kind of things your face is still in the same position and still your eyes and your nose and your mouth um so yeah um I just thought it was interesting that I've done it both ways and both ways were fine it's yeah, yeah. the other thing the other thing that sometimes I've seen be asked as well is when people are taking a new passport photo so when it does come time for renewal do they have to wear a wig? Like if they don't want to, can they wear either nothing or can they wear like a headscarf? 
Um, and just I just wanted to kind of like pop in here as well that if you are wearing a headscarf for medical reasons, you can um, wear one in your passport photo if, if, if you choose to as well. So you can present yourself however you wish. And can I, can I add to that um, to say that if you are doing that, so if you are wearing a, if you're wearing a wig in your passport photo, consider that that you're wearing your hair on your head. That, that, that's as simple as that. It's just once it's on your head, it's your hair. So you don't need to disclose that. You don't need to do anything differently. If you were wearing a, um, a bandana or a scarf or a hat of some kind in your passport photo, which you are able to do for medical reasons, um, it's probably just worth um, pointing out that if you do that, you do need to, you should, in my, with my advice, put in a note to say you're wearing it for medical reasons. Otherwise, when your passport application is going through, it could be rejected on the basis that you're wearing a head covering. So always just put that note in and feels like I'm giving a lot of advice here. I don't mean to. Um, but also you don't need to get that advice by a doctor. It's just enough for you to self-declare that you have alopecia and you're wearing the head covering for medical reasons. No, I love, I love the advice. That's exactly what <laughs> I'm hoping some people can get out of well, it as well as the first. Well, well, it's come up quite a bit. So I've, and I've, I think over the years I have clarified that with, I haven't clarified that with the passport office for a while, but I was on the phone to them, I remember a couple of years ago to get you know, it properly yeah. firmed up and that's what you need to do. So, Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Uh, okay, so moving on to, I guess, more the airport security side of things, because this is one that also comes up a lot. Has anyone ha ever had any issues with that? I'm speaking like in relation to wearing headscarves or wigs. Karen, I can see you're, you're nodding. I have. And again, it was when I was um, arriving in China for the first time. Um, I don't know. I, I get it's a different culture and things are done differently in different countries. And I was kind of expecting it, so it wasn't too much of a shock for me, but it did unsettle me. Like, they wanted... This woman was kind of, like, going like that with my wig and looking at the wefts and going like that. And it's just very uncomfortable, and there was no explanation of what she was doing. Um, yeah, it was... I, I don't know how to explain it, but um, it wasn't really a nice experience, that. Um, but other countries, I've had no problem. I've had some in Australia, for example, and they asked me, um, I don't know, I think my wig was kind of like static and stuck up at the back and I was walking around with it like that. Um, so the guy was like, are you wearing a wig? And I was like, yes. He was like, um, can I check it? So constantly asking my consent, can I look at your wig? Is it a wig? Can I touch it? Um, I can't fault any of the other countries I went through but China was a horrible experience for me I didn't have that experience in China luckily I was okay and I've been through like the the body scanners and everything and it's never it's never been flagged up I'm, I'm sure because I've seen the images like they can tell you're wearing a wig if you go to the body scanner but they can also tell if there is a package under your wig for example they can they can see that so I yeah but reassurance purposes I, I've not ever experienced being asked to take my wig off or it's setting off extra alarms or I didn't anywhere else in Asia yeah A strange Thailand Cambodia Singapore but it was just maybe it was just that one one um customs immigration person that's what I was about to say I, I think I've, I've heard quite a mixture of experiences from people and it doesn't often seem to be um, or this one country or this one place or this one airport, it tends to be this one odd person at security that um, that has checked it. And for that person, 
they might have taken the next person and been really overzealous on like their shoes or on their something else. Like it could have been anything else. Um, I think unfortunately when it does happen to be then the person with alopecia that's experiencing that, what we much prefer is if they had any kind of suspicion or, you know, they, they think that there's something going on for them to say, can we step to one side? Can we maybe go into a private room? Can we just ask about this? Because I think it's understandable that they ask those things. It is airport security after all. But as you say, you don't want them kind of rifling through your hair, like right in the middle of everybody else or kind of like asking you really bluntly no. to, to your face. Um, and I think, unfortunately, the experiences that we sort of hear tend to be from, yeah, it's like an, it's like a one-off odd experience in certain places where it's more down to that one person. So um, but I think it's it's important to kind of flag that these experiences do happen because for people who are maybe considering going away and doing these things maybe for the first time, you'd much rather be prepared and know where it is that you stand with things and know that actually, okay, so a few people have had those experiences. How am I going to react if that experience happens to me? So thank you. It's interesting to hear like kind of both sides of that. So thank you for, for sharing that as well. Another question that we get quite a lot is about um, wearing wigs in kind of like, especially in hot places, I think. Um, we're actually recording this on a very warm day <laughs> in July as well. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people often struggle with wigs in the heat and things as well. Um, does anyone have any advice just in general about wig wearing when they go away? Um. I was going to say no, I don't have any advice, but I would love to get some. So yeah. when I when I go away, I would I would like the option to be able to wear hair, but I do get too hot. I mean, I'm I'm too hot right now, sat here with nothing on my head. My well, my bit of I've worn wigs a few times, um, like especially on like holidays when I was kind of really early on um, diagnosed and things like that, and I've worn wigs in quite a lot of. Uh, different places like in the sea and when it's just been really hot and things like that and in terms of it just being warm one of the things that I found is the um, wig caps that people tend to use to to keep any um, kind of like bio hair in place when I had no hair I still used those because I would um, rinse them under cold water and put them in the freezer and then I would put those on before I put my wig on um, and it just kept my head really, really cool. I've heard of other people doing it with like um, little towels or flannels and stuff as well. Basically just having kind of like a cool resistant band in between like your head and where the wig is. Um, so that would, that would be my one of my number ones. Anyone else got just any like general tips or information, I guess, for people to be aware of? Short wigs are cooler because they're off your neck and stuff. And uh, I mean, if you go on a holiday, you normally wear a long wig, like a short wig, you know, you're not going to see people you normally see, so you might get away with it. People often edit their hair to go on holiday. Uh, a don't is don't do what I did and take a really expensive wig away with you. I had been on a TV show and got, as part of it, gifted a £2,000 wig. And we went on a paddle boat in the sea with a side, and I went down it wearing this wig but keeping my hair at the water. My little brother followed me in and couldn't swim. He jumped off the boat, so I had him. We couldn't get on the step back onto the boat. I had to swim back to shore with this really expensive wig, holding my baby brother. Obviously, my baby brother was the priority, not my wig. 
and destroyed a £2,000 wig. So be conscious of seawater, chlorine water. I wouldn't suggest you go on holiday with a new wig or an expensive wig like I did because I learned my lesson. That's some good advice there and also a heartbreaking story. I did that when, too. <laughs> when knowing that wigs can be so expensive, uh, yeah, that must just be absolutely awful. That I can laugh now, but at the time, yeah. Yeah, when, when I've been on um, holiday previously, I've tended to take a kind of daytime wig that was for the pool or for the beach that was like an older one um, that I knew that actually if it, you know, needed a bit of extra, you know, being a bit tough on it, it, it could kind of like stand it. Um, and then like a nicer one for sort of like the evenings and stuff like that. And my only other bit of advice was just that... Um, I think, Lindsay, you kind of touched upon this with the changing up of different wigs, because like you say, no one really knows you and stuff. It's also a time that actually a lot of people go without anything for the first time, because actually it, you're not going to bump into anyone or you're very unlikely to bump into anyone that you know. Um, and it can be quite a freeing experience to try something like that, actually like away from home. Um, and I think also um, going away and being in a different country and being away from your, you know, your usual people that you see not only is it an, a potentially an opportunity to um, go without a head covering for the first time but for me as somebody who hasn't been particularly confident wearing wigs I know like when I went to Spain a couple of times I, it's when I've taken a new wig to try it out like in any kind of in a less I don't know stressful kind of situation with any anyone else that you're ever going to see again seeing you so I think that's another interesting thing it just is that extra um, opportunity to do different, something different I think definitely yeah absolutely um brilliant all right thank thank you everyone um so the next bit i was hoping for us to just kind of like move on with um was to see if people would be happy to share some of i guess their more specific experiences and stories around traveling i know we've all kind of like dipped in and out of a, a couple already but um I personally have done quite a bit of traveling since I started with alopecia. And one thing that I really wanted when I was first researching and wanting to kind of get out there um, was to hear from others who had done it. And apart from like the odd blog posts here and there, I couldn't really find all that much, to be honest. So traveling already felt like a bit of a daunting, obviously, although still exciting prospect. Um, but to have to consider how I would present myself in different countries and how I would cope whilst on the road was really scary, which is why I was so keen to do this episode in the hope that our experiences and advice can kind of help others. Lindsay, are you happy to kick us off with some of your um, kind of more specific, like I say, more specific experiences? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, so I guess apart from the holidays, my big thing was I taught English in China for six months and then in Taiwan for a year. Um, and China was first and it was a very strange experience in a lot of ways. Um, we lived in a place that was a very big city, but it's industrial. There was no tourists or anything. There was, you know, it was like a city that was like a million strong and only 500 non-Chinese non people there. So, yeah. Um, and quite quickly, I was told by like the other teachers and everyone else, like you, you can't go without your wig. That's the way you've got to present. Like you know, here kids don't wear glasses when they need them because of losing face and image is so important. And because I'd gone out in a long blonde wig, I was quite thin at the time. I'm very pale. I was the Chinese. Without I'm now, I was a Chinese sort of like view of like how to look. So being pale, being blonde, 
like being western is just it's the sort of appeal there strangely so I was told you can't go that away like that's the way you need to look and I was almost awarded on the way I looked as well so I worked at a tutoring school and they would see your the potential clients would see your profile um when choosing a tutor and they have like your qualifications experience listed but they also have a photo of you and I was there and there was also a, a African-American lady who was unbelievably qualified done degrees postgraduates in teaching and all sorts of things she was never picked because she isn't the typical view of what's attractive in that area of China I was fresh out of uni didn't have any teaching qualifications not only was I picked to teach kids but I was the one that was sent to business meals and stuff like that to sort of like attract clients because I was blonde and pale that was it and so like my whole value my whole job was based on the fact that I was wearing this wig and if I took it off that was it like I wasn't going to get any tutoring anymore so that was a real like pressured situation and I'd gone out being quite confident with my alopecia at the time like I quite often didn't wear a wig in England or, you know, just when I'm bareheaded, it's when I'd have like a tattoo on my head and sort of embrace my alopecia. And when I came back, I, I felt like I'd taken like 500 steps backwards in my acceptance of alopecia. I was in a really bad state of it. I wanted to get like a really expensive wig that would be like my hair, like ones that vacuum to your head so I'd never have to take it off. Like I'd really gone backwards. Um, and I was only back for about two months and then I went to Taiwan. And so I just assumed it was going to be exactly the same as China. I had this wig, I wore it all the time. And then I was teaching, in this instance, I was teaching primary school children, well, young primary school children, so six-year-olds, um, in like a full immersion. So I had my same class day after day. And one day a girl, I still don't know where this came from, but she put her hand up and said to me, Miss Lindsay, why do you take, why can you take your hair off and I can't? Like a genuine interest question. And I still don't know for the life of me where she found out that I could take my hair off. I've got no idea. And so I was like, I didn't know how to answer. So I went to the head teacher and just said like, this is a situation. A child has noticed, what do I do? And she said, well, are you comfortable to tell them? And I said, well, yeah, I guess. And she said, well, it's better they learn about differences. Like, I think it's really good if you tell them, if you're comfortable to, they need to know that people are different. So I was like, okay, this is a different experience. <laughs> this is a bit different. So Amy actually sent me out some alopecia wristbands, leaflets. He did, it was a little while ago. Um, and all the kids had wristbands and we talked about what alopecia was and they, they were fantastic. They were great. Um, and from then on, I started swapping my wigs around again, which they loved, but they always wanted me to wear a blue one or something. I was like, I don't have a blue one. Um, it was so fun. They really embraced it. But they used to, the thing was, they used to try and steal my wig and pop it on. And then they go running out classroom to their parents. And I'm chasing them through the school, not wearing a wig. This, this little Taiwanese kid is like got this blonde wig shabonky on their head. So, um, yeah, it was a completely different experience. And that time we were in quite a small town so as I started to swap my wig around that people started to notice it was just a completely different experience and actually really like brought my confidence back again but it I guess it kind of shows like that you could assume because one experience is bad the next one will be and I have to say never had any problems whatsoever the kids just the kids just took it as great fun they thought it was fantastic I mean that's something about the kids that age as well isn't it is they're not really judgmental but the staff the way the head teacher saw it I thought was was a really sensible mature approach so yeah I guess that's my main experience in East Asia really. It's just so interesting though as well that like you said the 
how much of a difference like the awareness and kind of being open and honest can bring to an experience because as you say if, if during the first time if it was so much more of a, a secret obviously because of the circumstance but that how that impacts like you just said on your self-confidence and making you feel like you go backwards and then the other just making it pulling it forward I'm guessing like so many more steps um it's just amazing how much of a of a difference that can make yeah it's it, people's attitudes around you do have a really big fact, I mean I never took my wig off on mainland China and I don't I, I, it was made quite clear to me by everyone around me whether that was in a supportive or non-supportive way don't do it whatever you do don't do it kind of thing so and that's just stressful in terms of like when you need to wash your wig if it's not dry in time and all that kind of thing because I'd actually brought the one I wore all the time is human hair well I didn't have an exact replacement I had a similar one but it was a different color and stuff and it's just like constant stress at night is my wig going to be dry in time what am I going to do if it's not what if it's windy what if like what if it destroys what if it gets destroyed it's so interesting you say that that actually leads into my own personal experience really well because I had a very similar thing so I um as I sort of said in introduction I lost my hair um when I was 22 and at that age I was preparing to go um to Camp America so I'd um like been through all of the like process uh, pre-losing my hair I'd been to all the interviews and all the applications I'd actually got um my my place at, at the camp and stuff that I was going to work at in Pennsylvania um I actually have a really vivid memory of a picture of me at, at one of the like um interview things and I'm holding this sign being like oh I got a place and I've got all my real hair and merely days after that is when I found my first patch and um then so I lost my hair in like about six weeks so between that point and going I'd like completely lost all of my hair and I remember getting in touch with the um lead camp counsellor and I sort of said this is the situation like you know I've been looking forward to doing Camp America for years I'm really keen to still come but I just at that point I had no idea what really was even happening to me and never mind like how I was going to feel about it I'd I was spending still quite a lot of time at home at that point so I hadn't really experienced any of the world you know with this yet and I you know was sort of questioning myself and saying can I actually do this can I fly halfway across the world when I'm so early on in this alopecia journey um and kind of go and do this but something inside of me said that I needed to still do it so I so I did and um but I kind of had a bit of an interesting experience in I I let's say I messaged the camp council she said doesn't impact your ability to come we still want you here it was really really lovely about it um over email and said you know we'll, we'll sort it all out once you get here I was like oh okay great like maybe I'll get there and they'll you know it'll all be absolutely fine and um I actually got put with some of the youngest kids that were at the camp Part of it was to do with I'd actually requested like one of the lower end anyway. But when I got there, what they how they kind of explained it to me was that um, they also felt like the kids would notice less about my hair. And I think they meant this in or I hope they meant this in a way that was sort of like so that you don't feel too uncomfortable. But I think given where I was at the time, I took that to mean totally hide it like don't let anyone know do you know what I mean don't talk to anyone about it kind of thing and you know I guess naively so on my part I expected that I would get there and they would say 
what do you need anything from us is there anything that we can do to kind of like help on this journey do you want to talk to people about it do you want to tell do you know I mean do, do you want us to pull everyone together and have a bit of a chat about it um that was literally never presented to me and it was basically like never really brought up again and so I just felt so incredibly scared and insecure because I was like they don't want me to tell anyone I need to hide this I need to keep this a secret and so I was battling with that and I had the same thing as you were saying there Lindsay where well I only took one wig with me because I didn't even really think about it I didn't think about needing more than one and on days when I would wash it I didn't then have anything else to put on so I would have to sometimes I would either wash it at night and then I would have to like try and like hide under like a headscarf and like leave it but I have to leave it to dry somewhere secret that no one could find it um or I had to put it on when it was wet and a that's not very good for the wig but also it feels it doesn't really doesn't feel very nice on your head so I was constantly like so anxious and in my head about like this experience and feeling like what am I going to do about it and so it was in some parts my experience of going away with it had this slightly negative undertone because I felt like I wasn't able to be myself I also had this wig that was short really really short and almost blonde it was so light brown it was almost blonde and went blonder in the sun and I'm naturally dark haired and always have been so I would also look in the mirror and feel like oh, this doesn't really feel like me either um and then I actually lost my eyebrows and my eyelashes about two weeks in so that was also really really tough because it completely changed the shape of my face uh, I remember having to go to Walmart and purchase like these eyebrow stencils that I laugh about now, but I drew in the middle of my forehead, had no idea what I was doing. Um, but yeah, all of that like felt just so intense at the time. Basically reflectively, I felt really proud of it. And I was like, actually, if I hadn't have gone, I feel like I would have been really upset. I would have felt like I'd missed out on an experience. And I don't think it would have, I think it made me stronger in a way because I kind of had to deal with it yeah I I didn't really feel I had any negative experiences in Thailand whatsoever I mean I traveled over wearing a wig but when I got there it was so humid I just could not bear the thought of put, even putting it on so I put what hair I had up in a little ponytail I had my um, black headband which I used hair clips and stuff to hold into place and that was my head basically for a month and a half going through Thailand, Cambodia, Singapore. Um, didn't have any bad experience in Singapore at all. I had a few in Cambodia when we were trying to go into temples or um, Angkor Wat especially. They have a rule where you're not allowed to wear anything on your head. And I just didn't have the confidence at that point because I had this ponytail and nothing anywhere else. I just didn't have the confidence to take the um, headband off and I think one of the women outside the temple saw me getting upset so she came and patted me on the shoulder my arm and then turned around and said something to this guy that was telling me to take it off and then he backed off and didn't speak to me after that so I think she realized um so I was allowed to go into this temple with this headband on um getting to Australia it was probably about I don't know Six months in, after I'd done my um, compulsory farm work for Australia, you have to do this 88 days rural work to extend your visa. 
So I went through all of my farm work. I was milking cows for four months in a headband and a hat. Um, Again, I didn't want to wear my wig for that, but I didn't have the confidence to not wear anything. But I think the anxiety and the frustration got to me one day. And I literally got a pair of scissors and a shaver and took everything off. And then went and bought a wig from Melbourne Market, um, which was like a semi-human hair synthetic wig. It was very strange consistency, but it lasted me about six months after that of constant wear. But yeah, that was like my ping moment. You know what? Screw it. Own it. This is who you are now. Take the next step. So Australia, I went through a mix of emotions in Australia, but it was like a, a development of emotions. I went from hiding it and not knowing how to handle it to just, you know what, screw it. Let's just go with the flow. And I started changing what wigs I wore, changing my look. And then one day I was hiking up a mountain on Fitzroy Island. It's an island off the coast of Cairns. So really hot insanely humid and I just could not bear it and it was the first time I actually went bald ever in public I was halfway up this mountain with these two Swedish guys and as I said sorry guys wait a minute and just flipped my wig off took it off and they didn't even say anything they're like are you okay they're more concerned than anything else and again that was another massive massive step forward for me I mean in the backpacking community after that I had no problems like taking my wig off in the hostels anything like that but I did do a lot of outback work and rural pub work and it's a different kind of mentality out there it's 50 50 as to whether people would be okay to talk to you about it and whether to ask questions if they'd be polite if they'd be blunt and then moving on to New Zealand was again um, like totally a totally different experience like no one in New Zealand cared I mean I managed a hostel um as one of my jobs over there and I could walk around the hostel with nothing on on my head and no one would care I kind of, that's one of the reasons I miss New Zealand there's, everyone there is so easygoing no one asks any questions so yeah multiple experiences from multiple countries yeah, I think I think it's interesting just what you were saying about like the differences between I guess like the backpacking community and like like living somewhere as well because I um I feel like I almost had like not the opposite because it's it wasn't that I had uh, a bad experience with um the backpacking community but I think because it was so um constantly changing and I was with different people quite a lot and in different spaces and constantly moving around um, I sometimes felt like a little uncomfortable being completely myself, especially in a place if I was on my own or with brand new people that I'd just met um, and just being completely open with my alopecia. Um, but I actually also, I lived in New Zealand as well for, for quite a while and I just found that everyone was just so friendly and welcoming and kind and caring about it. And it felt just like another community at home where I just was able to be really open about it with people from like the get-go. Um, and so it's that thing of like settling somewhere and finding a bit of a community and a space with people as well can be, um, can be helpful with that. But I equally never felt like judged when I was um, traveling around more like more in the backpacking scene, because I, at that point, I decided to go away. I had a wig, an emergency wig in my bag, but I decided to kind of go away without, um, without anything. 
and it was kind of like in the early stages of regrowth and I had quite a lot on my head I didn't have many patches but it was really thin and really 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 short and I thought this isn't how I would naturally choose to present myself but I think it's going to be the way that it like I feel most comfortable and even though there were sometimes I would catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror, be hot and sweaty from a day out hiking and from the sun and, you know, like didn't have any makeup on or anything like that. And sometimes I catch myself and go, oh, that's not exactly who I think I am. But I felt like that was more of an internal thing. No one at any point during any of my, I went through Southeast Asia um, and then over to Australia and New Zealand no one at any point said anything to me about my hair, not once. And that actually almost really shocked me. I was felt like I was just every day waiting for the day when someone was going to say, like, what's going on? Why do you look like that? Like, things like that, um, or that I would be judged in some way. And I just never was. Um, so I think that it came down to a more of my own self-confidence and my own self-esteem than it did the experiences and the kind of, like, things of other people. Um, well, I was just going to chip in with my own experiences and I was going to say that um, I can relate to Karen's experience of being in the temples at Angkor Wat. I've been there myself. didn't actually have any issues at Angkor Wat. I think from memory I'd be wearing a headscarf um, and I don't remember ever being asked to take it off at that point there. Um, but I was at the um, one of the palaces in Bangkok uh, where, again, there was. I remember queuing up to get in and seeing the sign around basically no hats. And again, at that time I'm wearing, a, I'm wearing like a, I think I was wearing like one of those tube scarves. And I remember thinking to myself and I remember like ask, like talking to who I was with and asking, do you think I should take this off? Or do you think I'll be okay? Um, and as I approached, the guy gestured towards my headwear. Now, obviously I'm somebody that's comfortable taking things off like my head, that's not a problem. But what, what then transpired was I then, took it off and he was mortified and then we then we had this really awkward interaction of two people that couldn't speak each other's language and him basically gesticulating that I very much should put my head covering back on that almost I had traumatized him by what I was showing him underneath and it was just one of those moments where I was just like I just want the ground to swallow me up because normally it just wouldn't have been an issue and had there not been like a language barrier thing there we would have just been able to explain this away and it would have been fine. But instead there was just this awkward, oh no, he feels terrible. I don't want him to feel terrible, but I understand where he, oh. So that, so that was something that, and I think genuinely, if I was to go back to um, those parts of the world again, I think, I, I think if I knew I wanted to keep my head covered in hot temperatures, which is why I was covered up, I just didn't want to get a burned head. That, that was my reasoning. And I wanted to visit some of the most beautiful and spectacular buildings that there are that ordinarily don't want you to wear head coverings. I think I would have some things. I think, I think again, they would be fine with for medical reasons if it was like a scarf and you're not wearing some, you know, huge cowboy hat or whatever it might be. If you're being respectful, I don't think there's an issue there. But it was the fact that I couldn't get over the, the language barrier and he couldn't speak with me either. And it was just this really awkward moment that as I say occasionally happens on holidays and then the the other one I just wanted to reflect just again more generally on an on on something I found and which I think is more of a cultural thing one of my favorite countries in the world that I've been to twice spent two amazing three-week holidays in, is Vietnam and I absolutely love it 
I love the smiley people. I love the fact that it's such a welcoming country. Everyone's got a smile for you. It feels like it's a really warm and welcoming place. However, as a tall, Western, bald woman, I very much stood out and got attention that I didn't want. And I remember it came to a point, I think it was my second day on my first trip um, and I was in um, Ho Chi Minh City. And there was basically, I, I got laughed at a couple of times by people just cycling past, um, just laughing at me, pointing and laughing at me. And I thought, wait a second. And it's the knowledge that the people out there, they're generally lovely people. And I think really what, what they were met with was something that culturally, culturally they're not used to seeing. They're not used to seeing baldness. And I think that if you were a Vietnamese person who experiences alopecia, and we know that alopecia areata affects people all across the world, I didn't see a single other person there with hair loss. So I'm imagining it is something that is covered up, that it isn't spoken about. So to see somebody as you know obvious as me and as out there as me, I think it was probably just too much for their senses to like take in. And I think so. I don't think they were meaning it, but for me, who's second day of a three week holiday, just wanting to crack on with the trip, it was at that point that I thought, you know what? I think for the rest of this trip, I'll be covering up my bald head and not having it, um, kind of you know basically being a point of difference and and kind of. I felt quite exposed at that point and I'm ordinarily a pretty confident person that that you know that doesn't affect me so yeah I just want to throw in that little experience but, but again to say didn't affect my like thoughts of the place and the, the say that I'd love that country and I'd love to go back but from a I think it's like a cultural point of view they're just not used to seeing hair loss in that way and seeing as I say a yeah a bald woman so I think it like you say it's just one of those things that as someone who is potentially thinking about going away and maybe doing some traveling if you have hair loss to just be aware of and to be mindful of as you say it's very unlikely like with most people and experiences alopecia that people are trying to be uh, malicious but actually that they're just they don't understand it and and like you say that happens even in the UK but it happens like you say even more so in countries where it isn't really aware like there isn't a lot of awareness and it isn't a visible thing and most people do cover up so I think I'm hoping that people that are listening like they hear these experiences not in a way to be like oh I won't go to those countries that have those things but just as something to be like actually oh I understand that now that that's actually just a thing that might happen there and I'm gonna you know make sure I manage my expectations and I, and as you said Amy then you know you maybe slightly adjusted where you were you didn't necessarily go all the way and put like a wig on to like totally blend in but that actually you felt you went where it felt comfortable in the middle that actually it's maybe just covering up your head to just kind of like stop anyone from maybe making those extra comments and things and, and from that point in and wearing wearing headscarves and bandanas which I did for the rest of the trip I'll be honest they probably blended in with the rest of the backpacking community because whether they've got yeah. hair or not they'll be wearing bandanas and scarves and you know maybe I looked all hip and trendy for me <laughs> the first time in my life um but but yeah generally speaking that the bald head being out being so visible as it was it was I think just a little bit too stark for and again I want to be clear this wasn't this wasn't, wasn't the entire population of Ho Chi Minh City but it had happened a couple of times and I was like no this is a, I, I don't want this to be a, a thing on my trip I just want to enjoy myself and enjoy this wonderful 
country and all the sights and the smells and the sounds that I was experiencing um, and it not be about my hair loss. Yeah, absolutely. On the flip side, there are cultures where women with short or shaved hair is actually um, a lot more common. And so it is a good place, like we said, again, to sort of like maybe test like going back a wig. So my mum's half sister is half Kenyan and got married out there. And I actually remember I had hair at that point. I had my first regrowth and I was holding this little baby as part of her extended family. And because all the women in this extended family had shaved hair at the, at the time I had long hair, he was fascinated with it. So actually that's just reminded me that actually in, in that area of Kenya that we were in, none of the women grew their hair at all. And I've also found we holiday in East Europe a lot, um, like Croatia. And a lot of the women, whether it's the temperature, like, do you keep their hair really short? And it's a place that actually thinking back to me, I've been quite a few times, you very rarely get any sort of like thinking, even with the patches, people are just used to short hair there. So there, there is the flip side and it's worth maybe being aware of that, that it could be that you actually find it a far more accepting culture that you go to visit. So just, yeah, good my head. Absolutely. And, and, and that's reminding me, Lindsay, as well, of the kind of the, I don't know, like wry smiles or like just the acknowledging looks that, um, whilst being and think particularly in Thailand around a lot of the Buddhist monks that I used to share with them because obviously again they've, they've got their shaved heads and I do remember almost thinking oh I fit in with these guys <laughs> yeah. so yeah it, it is that acknowledgement that yeah you, you're going to different places you're experiencing different things um and yeah but yeah like you're saying there'll be other places to go where you know it, it's 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 not the same thing. And, and I, I also say, I certainly don't want anyone to feel like, like, you know, me sharing my experience was enough to put me off. I can't wait to get back to going <laughs> to these countries again and having these experiences. Like we're saying, I think it's just about being prepared for if something was to happen, you know, okay, so rather than that ruining your trip, how can you make something kind of work for you and, and change that, that moment, I suppose, should anything crop up? Yeah. I was just going to show share my experience of uh, being um, in Las Vegas. Oh yes, I love this story. <laughs> Only because it's just it's a nice little anecdote and it makes me laugh. And um, so again, I'm not going to stereotype an entire nation and say that all Americans are very brash and outspoken. However, I imagine there's probably more outspoken Americans there than there are outspoken Brits. We think we seem to be a little bit more reserved. So I think that's a little bit of stereotyping but I think it's probably fair to say um but I do remember um so I actually I actually got married in Las Vegas and I was in a wedding dress and I was walking down the strip and I had um basically my head very similar to what it is now in terms of length but at that point a lot of my patches were much smaller patches um so it actually did I'll be honest I look back on those pictures and I go they, they do act, my head actually does look quite cool at that point but it was very much still, and as far as I can see, an alopecia areata head anyway. And, and I remember um, just obviously kind of like minding my own business and some guy kind of shouted over, oh my God, oh my God, how did you get your hair like that? It's so cool, you look like a leopard. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, only this could happen to me on my wedding day. Um, but it was just, like one of those moments of oh yeah okay I didn't choose this <laughs> but you know what it was like one of those moments where I was like this guy thinks I've got the coolest hair in the world like he wasn't being like there was no sarcasm there he genuinely thought my head 
with the coolest hairstyle he'd ever seen. And he thought it was intentional. So I was just like, for that one moment, I was like, oh my God, I'm rocking this. This is amazing. Like, he thinks this hair is great. Whereas I was like, oh, you know, I remember there being that moment where I was like, oh, and I didn't, never expected that this would be the hairstyle I would have on my wedding day. Tight thought. And then I was confronted with the world's most enthusiastic man about my hair. And I just thought, oh, classic America. That was great. Lovely. I love that story. I think that's great. <laughs> um, so before, I guess, we sort of round off, um, is there any, like, advice or just tips, tricks, anything final that you want to share with people listening? Um, no worries if not. I've kind of got a... Oh, Amy, Amy, go ahead. I was just going to try and pick off with, like, you know, I think alopecia can have you know we know it can have a huge impact on us we we recognize all of us having experienced it the impact that it's had on us over our time um with with having the condition um and i kind of just you know it is it is somehow us having the the thing within us to get to the point of you know realizing look life is for living and and there's you know for me travel has always been such a passion of mine and i'd have hate to have thought that um that my alopecia would stop me doing that so I know we've shared some some stories in this and I know some of it might, you know, seem, oh God, I'd hate if that happened to me. But we all survived these things. We all got through it and we all look back and we can think of ways for certain things how, oh, actually, I wouldn't have that happen again because I would do it this way or something like that. So I kind of just want people to have the confidence to, to know that, do you know what? At the end of the day, a lot of the people that you'll encounter on holiday, if you were to encounter the, the I always say like the 1% of the people who will say something, there's 99% of people that will just, you know, either won't have any sort of negative encounters with you at all. Um, and it's it's just having the confidence to get out there and, and focus on the 99% and not the 1% where occasionally something will crop up and something will happen. And also that 1%, that'll happen whether you've got alopecia or not. These are just, that's just life. So yeah, I, I kind of just want to sum it up with try and get out there and, and do the things you love doing. Definitely. Lindsay? Yeah, I just want to agree with Amy, even the experience in China, like I still would do it again. I saw so many experiences. And like Amy said about that 1%, you'll meet that 1% in the UK as well, to be honest, wherever you are, you're going to meet them. And I guess just as a point, I just want to say, who looks their best when they're backpacking, travelling or on holiday? <laughs> you translate, you might not have showered for 24 hours. You've got sunburn that's so obvious with straps. Your nails are chipped. People have dyed their hair, gone to swim pool, now it's green. So actually, it's the time to just go sod it. Everyone, I don't think anyone actually looks their best on holiday, especially Brits. The, the, the hot sun just doesn't agree with us. So, yeah, just try and embrace it if you can like I wouldn't I wouldn't have not done a single travel experience even if alopecia did present some difficulties I would never have not done it even China even though it did mean I had a setback when I got back I still had such amazing experiences I love that thank you Lindsay yeah same I mean looking back even going back to what Lindsay was saying about um any negative experiences you learn from them and you don't don't I would say to someone who was looking to go backpacking who had alopecia let's say they were 25 years old like I was I would tell them to look embrace it just go for it there are bigger things in out there in the world than to worry about hair it took me a long time to learn that about myself and to accept it and 
anyone who does say anything negative, you're probably never going to see them again. And take everything as a learning curve. I actually said this to someone on one of the alopecia pages a few weeks ago. I said, just go for it. Take everything as a learning curve and you will come out of this as 10 times the person you are when you get on that plane. Yeah, again, just reiterating what everyone's saying there, that I think um, any negative things that did crop up from time to time um, were far outweighed by the amazing experiences, the wonderful scenery, the beautiful food, like all the amazing people, the experiences and all the things that you get to see. You know, now when I reflect back on any of that, whether it was Camp America or living in New Zealand or traveling Southeast Asia, my hair loss was not the things that I remember really about those experiences. They're little, like you say, little stories that pop up here and there. They're things that made me stronger, that made me want to carry on but none of them were things that that's my blinding experience that I, my takeaway from that. The thing that I took away was how much more confident I grew and how much more of the world I got to see and how many friends I made and just all the, all the positives are the things that you come away with. So I think that again, yeah, just reiterating what everyone's saying that just go for it, give it a try and, and hopefully you'll have just as, as amazing experiences as everyone else. I'm, I'm just smirking to myself because I'm thinking back through all the holidays I've had, all the traveling that I've done. And I'm thinking, I think the only thing I really remember is the food. And I think that's yeah. everything you need to know about me. Yeah, same. <laughs> what was the best food I had in every place? That's the thing that I tell everyone. <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe there should be a podcast just about that. I know, I know that would be getting off the Alopecia topic, but maybe we could have like a bonus one. Let's talk about the best meals we've had around the world. <laughs> I would absolutely love that. I could talk about that for days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone. Thank you for um, sharing your experiences and just coming on and, and telling everyone. I'm hoping, like I say, that the people listening, um, even if they're not planning on traveling or going on holiday anytime soon, that they just at least found hearing our experiences interesting. Um, but hopefully for those that are maybe planning a bit of a trip or, or to kind of go away, they've come away with some um advice and some information and just um enjoyed listening to to how we found it basically so um i want to say a big thank you to everyone and we'll say we'll say goodbye thank okay. you thanks bye